I want to give a brief overview of the many topics that we may hit on today because they're new. Uh, the retirement package in the omnibus spending bill that's being referred to as Secure 2.0 about retirement ages and when required distributions occur and all kinds of other stuff, but more specifically, opening a window into the brains of Congress. So we'll talk a little bit about why it is that bills don't make any sense when they come out. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, else close the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, aspirationally, boys and girls. Uh, welcome to the Personal Wealth Coach. This is Jake McClure. On the line with me, I have... Jeff McClure. Uh, together, we are bald. Oh, together, we are the Personal Wealth Coach and, and mm -hmm. bald. I'm glad you got that straight. Yes, we have to establish, this is full disclosure, you guys need to have uh, total knowledge of the fact that there are two bald men with beards talking to you at the moment. This podcast is called The Personal Wealth Coach, and that's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm based in Salado, Texas. Now, the fact that it's registered with the SEC doesn't mean that the SEC approves or disapproves of anything, neither, neither does the secretary, whoever the secretary is, and this tape will destruct after it's listened to you the dated yourself this tape will destruct your podcast tape is about to self-destruct that's <laughs> why you can't find the tape in it anymore <laughs> it already has self-destructed because it's too old and uh, the information that we do present in this podcast we get from sources we think are very reliable but we don't make any guarantees as to the completeness or the accuracy of that reliability or anything else we just do the best we can the information that we're providing during this podcast is not considered investment advice. This information is educational because investment advice means that we know exactly who's listening and we can custom tailor all of our advice to them. So prepare to be educated. So do you want to talk about the Secure 2.0? Which I Well, there, there's a lot to Secure 2.0. And Secure 2.0, by the way, as Jake very carefully pointed out to me yesterday, and it's certainly true, is not a law. It's part of the omnibus. And if, never, if you've never been on an omnibus, you really don't understand how confusing that can be. Yeah. But there's some significant changes there. If you were, if you turn 72 in 2023, well, that's a lot of numbers, then you don't have to take your RMD in 2023. The required you, minimum distribution from a yes. retirement plan. So let me give me, let's take a step back a second, because otherwise we're just going to be spouting gibberish and acronyms for a few minutes. Let, let's let's go back to what is a traditional 401k and an IRA? Well, you put money in it and the government says, hey, you don't have to pay taxes on this money as long as you meet all these criteria. You put the money in there and when you take it out, you can pay the taxes then. But you don't have to pay the taxes now. I'm grossly oversimplifying because there's lots and lots of age signifiers, income signifiers, whether or not you have workplace plan and IRA plan and your income's above a certain, all that stuff. And that changes year to year. So there's a lot of complexity there. But the basic underlying concept is on the traditional side of the workplace plan or an IRA, not the Roth side, you're not paying any taxes right now 
You'll pay them later. Well, Congress is like, well, that's good. Then all the growth that you get on all that money, you're going to pay taxes on that too, and we'll get this revenue in the future. Well, the future has to be set. They have to say this is the age that the future is when you're finally going to get to pay us the taxes that you haven't paid us yet. One of the issues in trying to read an omnibus bill is you get spending and revenue in the same law, and it's very convoluted, so you have to look back and forth. Anyway, when you take the money out, Congress finally gets their revenue. And there's been a push. It was a few years back in 2018 and before. If you were 70 and a half, the year in which you turned 70 and a half, you had to take money out before the end of the following year. That sounds like an SAT question of some kind. 70 and a half, who does that? Who, who, well, we still say 59 and a half is the retirement age. So five-year-olds are in Congress. I have a three and a half-year-old here, and he's very proud of the fact that he's three and a half. Congress thinks 59 and a half, and it used to think 70 and a half were important. Well, now it doesn't so much. It said in 2019, Secure Act was passed, and they said, hey, we're going to raise the required distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. And we all said, oh, that's nice. You can leave it in your portfolio if you're still working or you don't need to touch it. You don't have to mess with it. Well, now they've moved it up to 73. So if you turned 72 last year, you're going to still do it this year because you're 73 this year. But if you're turning 72 this year, it's going to skip you. There's no fairness here, by the way. It's just a rolling number. Uh, my older brother, when we were teenagers, was just a few years away from drinking age in Texas when they moved the drinking age year by year from 18 to 21. They said it was 19, and then it was 20, and then it was 21. And he was just a few years away from drinking age for like five years. So um, this, this is sort of what's happening to your required minimum distribution all the way out to 2033 over the next 10 years, it's going to get raised up to 75 there. It just jumps to 75 in 2033. But the interesting thing about this, it's the tax law folks and they pass one every year, which means next year they can change it. So don't get too excited about it one way or the other. But uh, then all of us get thing, to spend hours and hours memorizing things that we may have to unmemorize immediately. Yes. Another thing that is maybe have an impact on some folks is that if you have a 529 plan and it's at least 15 years old, it can be rolled into a Roth IRA, which was impossible for. Now, the income limitations to open a Roth IRA remain in place. So if you're very, very, if you have very, very high income, you still can't roll it into a Roth IRA. Although somebody, if, if they didn't write this very succinctly and carefully, which they probably didn't, we don't know the details of how this is going to work out yet, somebody may find a way to backdoor the 529 into a Roth IRA by doing something strange. Right. Right um, now, it's, uh, you can move, it, you've got to meet all the same contribution requirements. It starts in a few years, so you can't do it right away. There's a lifetime amount that you can do. Can't do more than $35,000 over your whole life. If your income is too high, you can't contribute to a Roth. You can't do it. So there's a lot yeah, of but, qualifiers. Yeah, but whose Roth does it go into? And I think the it goes beneficiary. into the beneficiary's it is, Roth. It is but you can change the beneficiary at any point for right. another member of your family. So I can see how if you have five members of your family, you could move one-fifth of it into each of them for a 529 and then open up five thirty-five thousand dollars Roth IRAs. You you can't 
do the whole lifetime in one year. That's this is why this nothing well, in this, this oh, wait wait nothing in this simplified anything. There's a lifetime thing. You have to meet the contribution guidelines. This year it's or 2022 was six thousand dollars. So if you That's put my, six thousand in, that met your whole contribution. You can't roll over more than that. You can add up to the thirty five. This is my point, and and looking at it, and again the details, the devil's in the details here. So it may not work out this way, but I could see a loophole immediately. I have five children. I have a host of grandchildren. I have the capability, if I have a big 529, of dividing it among any of them. So the contribution, when I say divide it, they would become the beneficiaries. And then next year, they each could open a Roth IRA with the 529 money that I gave them. So you could. Now, the nice thing about a Roth IRA from the government's point of view is when you convert that 529 plan to a Roth IRA, income taxes are due on it but no penalties. So it's an interesting planning device if you have a big 529 that you're not spending. And a lot of people, by the way, are not spending their 529s. That's one of the problems that the government has run into for tax purposes. Yeah. So this kind of opens the window a little bit. When we talk about an omnibus bill, this thing has $858 billion for defense and 750 plus for domestic spending. And you have revenue things in here and changes in the tax code to raise revenue. You have spending that one of the accounts that they have to look at, what is the value in the revenue, potential revenue in this account to the U.S. government? The Congressional Budget Office has to give that a value. So 529 plans are where you put money for con- for college or for higher education of some kind, you put money in there and you don't have to pay taxes on the money that's growing in there. You pay taxes when you put the money in, when you made the money, it goes in there. The growth on it's not taxed and it's never taxed if you use it for school. Well, if you've made it through school and you have money left over in your your college fund, and this is a reluctance that a lot of people have, well, what if they want to spend it on something else? Well, there's a penalty on the gains, not the principal, if your end taxes do on the, on the gains when you take it out for not for school purposes. So what we have found and what a lot of people have found and what the numbers are showing is that people don't tend to liquidate their 529s when they're done with college. They hold on to them and they say, maybe I'll go back to college. When they have kids, they transfer them on to their kids. So the Congressional Budget Office has this imaginary number on someday they'll pay taxes on the gains in here and someday they'll pay a penalty on this. And the number for that is this imaginary number. Well, when when Congress says we're going to allow a rollover into a Roth, a bureaucrat in the room says, well, yeah, but that's going to take from revenue. And we have the Balanced Budget Act that was passed under Newt Gingrich that doesn't actually balance the budget. We just have to find an uh, imaginary piece of revenue for the imaginary piece of spending that didn't actually occur because no spending occurred when you rolled the money from one account to another. But the value of the revenue has to be there. So they have to find it somewhere else in this massive law how to balance out the revenue and the spending, which is... Why you never have a law that makes any sense. Why it is that, you know, we're raising in a couple of years the catch-up contribution. If you're older than 50 years old, you can put more in your IRA than if you're younger than 50 years old. That's called the catch-up. Maybe I don't have enough in there. I'm getting closer to retirement. 
Well, and if they you, raise that, by the way, in Secure 2.0. Yes, they raise the amount that you can put in. In two years, it will increase by 10%. In three years, um, the amount that you put in between the ages of 60 and 63 will move from what had been 7,500, but add 10% to that, to 10,000, but add 10% to the original 7,500. Mm-hmm. At the age of 64... You no longer can put extra money in there. You go back to the same. So between the age of 60 and 63, you can put in the equivalent of $10,000. But then at 64, it goes back to 7,500. But then you've got a 10% increase. You can see where this is convoluted. And it was about, well, if, if we allow people to put extra money in as catch up, and in order to qualify for this, if you make more than $145,000, you have to put it into the Roth side of the catch-up. <sighs> so that means HR at the corporate level is going to have to know what your dual earned income is at home to see if you're above that much to tell whether or not your extra catch-up can go into the Roth or in, it's going to be complicated. Yeah. To give you an example of complication, I kept reading that in order to get the new Speaker of the House elected, he had to concede to the ultra-conservative Republicans who were holding out that he would cut the defense bill, defense budget, by $75 billion. And I thought, and we discussed that and thought maybe that was aid to Ukraine or something. Turned out it wasn't. What he did actually was promise to cut domestic spending by $75 billion. But the law in place requires that if he cuts domestic spending by $75 billion, We have to cut defense by $75 billion, and it will go across the board. Talking about something that could generate a recession, that would mean in order to cut domestic spending by $75 billion, he has to cut $150 billion out of the budget, which means the United States government would spend $150 billion less, and that has a ripple effect that is earth-shaking across the economy. It really amounts to... Uh, about five, about half a trillion dollars cut in spending next year. Yeah, and this this is an important factor. We've talked about the GDP is how we measure growth and whether or not you have a recession and so on. Government spending in GDP for no apparent reason is considered part of the growth side of the economy. It's not growth, but the algorithm to make GDP says government spending is part of growth, which means if we drop 300 billion or more, even if we go back to just he's cutting 75 here and there, so $150 billion just drops off the GDP. Not that I'm upset about that, but it's going to have a ripple effect. I'm actually okay if they cut back on spending here, but it's going to have a ripple effect. It's going to look like our GDP just dropped. Well, every dollar that's spent on defense generates about $5 in the GDP because you spend the dollar to do something and that yeah. causes the company to do something which because causes something else to Northrop do something else. Grumman's getting loans and, and L3 mm-hmm. so, and Raytheon and BAE. So if, yeah. And, if you, and the same ratio occurs in domestic spending. So it's kind of interesting. If you cut $150 billion next year from the next budget, which is what the agreement that the speaker made with the holdouts, it will... You, you need to you, mu- you need to multiply that by at least five. So it's well over half a trillion dollars gets cut out of the spending and out of the GDP and no. out of the growth of the United States. And it sounds like we're arguing against the government cutting spending. We're not. We're trying to say these are ripple effects that will occur from a minor discussion 
on, on a congressional floor. So th these are things that we have to watch. Um, and when we say the GDP and whether or not we're in a real recession, is it real? I don't know. Is it real if government spending drops? Well, it's real as a recession if you're working at BAE and you lose your job. Uh, it's not so real to the rest of us that didn't lose a job from it. And that's true of any recession. So we <laughs> mandatorily have to think things in aggregate. We have to think about the average and throw it all in a bucket and mix it all together, even if it doesn't go together. Uh, we have to look at dry ice and boiling water and say, yep, average is fine. Uh, the reality is that one is really hot and one is really cold. You have to hold that in place, part of the behavior of the group of people. Like which part of the economy spends more, the new tech employee or somebody that's 30 years at a corporation? As a percentage of their income, the new tech employee spends a heck of a lot more money. So a tech employee layoff versus somebody near retirement layoff has a very different impact on the economy. You can't forget that in your averages. And that's one of the things that leads to us. Oh, you can. Well, yeah, we can. Actually, most people do. And most people don't even know that they're forgetting because they never knew to forget it. <laughs> that is certainly true. Yeah. And so when, we're, when you're measuring this stuff, it's like good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. It's a lot easier just to say cholesterol. Um, when you're talking about unemployment, there's some kinds of unemployment that are actually really good. If you have employees that you're paying a lot for that are not doing anything productive for your company, that's the kind of unemployment you need in the economy. You need to pull people out of the economy that are actually draining money rather you're than contributing. There you go, talking about civil service employees. Again. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Or, or, not and, all of them. And we done. have to look at, I just gave gushing praise to these boffins in the bureaucrats that if you look at what is the actual impact of their stuff, did they make anybody a profit by asking how much the cost of living increase should be for Social Security? No, it cost the government money, but we kind of want them to stay there and have a job. So... When I'm saying good employment, bad employment, how do you make that decision when you're looking at a big bucket full of averaged together stuff? Um, and the reality is you really have to dig deeper than the bucket. And I'm going to mix all the metaphors. So well, dig deeper mixing, than the bucket as it's being aggregated in with hot water and dry ice and all that good stuff. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening, if you have. If you haven't, then no thanks to you. Um, yeah. If you'd like to talk to us off the air, we have voicemail waiting locally during the week at... 254-947-1111. Real live people during the week, voicemail during the weekend, and that is also 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to the webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. You can email us through there, contact us through there, podcasts, newsletters, all that good stuff. Until next week, this has been The Personal Wealth Coach.